Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in-depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are talking with Lila Romero. Dr. Romero returned to her alma mater in 2020 as Assistant Professor of Chemistry and Biochemistry. She's an organic chemist and Baylor professor whose research focuses on developing selective synthetic strategies with applications in the development of novel anti-cancer therapeutics. A coveted grant supporter to move to the Baylor faculty, the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute of Texas, better known as CPRIT, provided $2 million in funding to establish her career here in Texas. A 2011 Baylor graduate, she participated in undergraduate research at Baylor with Dr. Kevin Penny before pursuing postgraduate work. And she came back here two years ago, and it's great to have you on the program today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, it's exciting to hear about your research and uh, a neat story, too, in having been a student here at Baylor, and then you had plenty of opportunities to start your academic, uh, your independent academic career in many places, and you, you came back here. So we'll get to talk about that and learn more about what you do. But to, to start off, so you've been back here almost two years now. What, what's it like? Broad question. What's it like being back at your alma mater? Almost two years. This <laughs> July will be two years officially. So it's been really great to be back. And even just recently seeing some of the events that I cherished so much as an undergraduate student like Dia Deloso coming back um, since everything kind of was put on pause for the pandemic. It's really been really great to start to participate in these activities that I fondly remember as, uh, you know, as when I was a grad undergraduate student here. When you're working with your students, how much of yourself do you do you see in them? Probably more so than I ever thought that I would, only because, um, and this is specifically toward graduate students in the group. So these are uh, students who have already obtained their um, Bachelor of Science degrees, and they've committed to, on average, a five-year study in order to obtain a PhD in chemistry. And so just considering you know, where they started um, in the lab and where they are now on that journey that they've taken just in under two years... I see a lot of, you know, when I was a, a young um, graduate student working for a new PI, um, a lot of the similar um, struggles and triumphs that they're also um, starting to to experience in their careers. That's exciting. And you all are doing important work. So let's talk about that. As I described at the beginning of the show, kind of the website uh, version of developing selective synthetic strategies with applications for novel anti-cancer therapeutics. So, so let's pretend that you are talking to a room full of students who are interested in science, but they have little idea how many jobs there are available out there, how many different paths they can take. So to that group, how would you describe what it is that you do? So specifically, we're organic chemists. And when we think of organic molecules, these are molecules that have carbon-hydrogen bonds within them. And as organic chemists, um, we're really focused on the ways in which we manipulate or build or um, you know, utilize these types of molecules. And so organic chemistry really truly is in the world all around us. The scent of a rose is an organic molecule. The, um, you know, rubber on the tires that, that, you know, got you to work today, you know, that's a, a, a polymer of, of uh, you know, material that is organic based. Um, it's everywhere around us. And so whether you realize it or not, when you're cooking, right, that's organic chemistry. You're building new things. And um, a lot of what we do, I often equate to, to baking. Um, mm -hmm. We have ingredients. We have recipes that we follow. 
um, to yield the desired product that we'd like to have. And so um, as methods chemists, what we're looking at is essentially developing new recipes that others can use to build the products that they need in the lab. What, what, what kinds of things can happen when you combine two different organic molecules? They can, I know there can be really good, there can be neutral, there can be not good, I suppose. Yeah, sometimes um, completely unexpected things happen, and it can be really exciting to see an instantaneous color change or a phase change in material. And then other times it's really underwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, but that's part of the joy of doing chemistry. You really just don't know what you're going to get at the end of the day. Um, you have a hypothesis of what you're aiming for, and you understand the chemical reactivity and principles behind it. But sometimes, even now, I find that chemistry sometimes still surprises me with the types of, of uh, phenomena that we sometimes see. Talking with Dr. Lila Romero, and, uh, you know, how much of a long game is it what it is that, uh, that you're doing? Some projects have a specific, you know, a very specific end goal, but it seems like yours has a lot of different potential end goals. Yeah, so the research within our lab is, um, you know, multifaceted. We have a lot of different goals, a lot of different outcomes that we're looking um, to to show the world with the word, uh, the research that we're doing. Some of it is very, um, you know, immediately we could see that this reaction works, for example, and we want to go ahead and, and publish that, disclose that that information in case it's of use to uh, another individual in the field. Um, other times, uh, the chemistry it takes. Um, years of really building upon um, this hypothesis that we have and really kind of chasing that down. Um, And so it really just varies with each project that we're looking at. If we were to to visit your lab, I don't know if there's such thing as a quote-unquote normal day, but uh, if we were to visit on a typical day, what are some of the things we might uh, observe? Yeah, so in in my research group right now, we have uh, three graduate students and three postdoctoral scholars. So postdoctoral scholars are individuals who already have obtained their PhD in chemistry, and they're doing an additional study within our group. And then we also have undergraduate student researchers as well. So at any given time, there could be a number of individuals, you know, working very intently at their their chemistry bench and their fume hood. Um, or, you know, in the office, um, typing up their results and putting together these reports, or at one of the many different instruments and um, pieces of equipment that we have in the lab, maybe analyzing their reaction or uh, manipulating some material. Visiting with Dr. Lila Romero, and uh, you, in joining the Baylor faculty, become one of a number of faculty members who are, are working on research with applications to, to fight cancer. I'm going to dive into that here, but just to, just to start, what, is, what are some of those applications as it relates to, to, to your work that can have an impact on the fight against cancer? Yeah, so there's a family of natural products. So these are compounds that have been isolated from different sources in nature that have been shown to have a pretty prolific anti-cancer activity and very um, interesting anti-cancer activity that's worth following up on. And the studies of these molecules have been somewhat limited in the past just due to the inability to acquire a meaningful amount of the material um, and individuals willing to to go through some of these tedious synthetic sequences to to make that happen. And so we're interested in um, acquiring or making some of these molecules and, and following up on them as um, you know, potential anti-cancer therapeutics. Um, the questions that we have are, you know, what is the exact 
enzymatic target because that's still not delineated, at least not in, in our literature searches. Um, you know, how is this targeting that enzyme? Is it a covalent bond? Is it somehow a competitive inhibitor? Um, or sorry, does it, does it bond covalently? Is it a, a competitive inhibitor of sorts? Um, and then um, if we modify these natural products, can we make them more robust or more stable? Or can we somehow improve upon that therapeutic application that we envision with these? I remember we had uh, one of your colleagues, Dr. Romo, Daniel Romo, on the show last year. He mentioned sea sponges as one example. Where, where are some places we might find some of these molecules? Wow, you can find um, biologically active natural products really any, anywhere in the world, it seems. Um, you know, Taxol, for example, is a really, a really uh, well-known and studied um, anti-cancer therapeutic that's isolated from, the, I believe, the Pacific yew tree. Right, so it's wow. from a tree. You can, again, yeah, in this in marine natural products, isolated from sea sponges or algae or um, they're even, you, you know, natural products isolated from bacteria. I mean, there are so many different sources that um, I probably, you know, can't list sure. them all. Yeah. Truly endless types of possibilities. We are visiting with Dr. Lila Romero, an organic chemist at Baylor, assistant professor of chemistry and biochemistry uh, on the program. And um, for you, fighting against, what, what came first for you? Was it uh, wanting to fight against cancer? Was it an interest in science? Was it chemistry? What, what, what was that like for you? You know, it's the weirdest thing when I think back on my journey to, you know, from where I started and how I got to where I am now. Um, when I was maybe in seventh or eighth grade, I was sitting on the porch at my grandparents' house on the Gulf Coast, and I heard my grandmother on the phone talking with the second cousin of mine, and I heard her say, oh, you want to be a cancer researcher when you grow up? And I thought, wow, that's, I'd never thought about mm -hmm. that. <laughs> that's really meaningful. That's so impactful. And I, it just rang so true to me, even at that age in middle school, you know, mm -hmm. just yeah. sitting on the swing thinking about it. Um, and so I always had my sights set on a career where I could somehow participate in cancer research, whether that was the sole focus or not. I always knew I wanted some aspect of that. Was science something you were always interested in as a kid? It was. It was. As a, even in elementary school, I, I was picked to be a part of this special, um, you know, once a month you get to visit with a scientist program. Only... A handful of us were selected for this. And I think back to how meaningful that was. Before, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but it really shaped my perception of science and how, you know, how I viewed my ability to become a scientist. What, what led you to Baylor to pursue your undergraduate work? Yeah, so I think in that case and, and in some of these other instances I, I'm kind of discussing here, I think there have been a series of misguided misconceptions <laughs> that have gotten me here along the way. In hindsight, it almost looks like a perfect trajectory. In reality, I think a lot of the decisions I made were not perhaps the, the most, uh, on the most solid foundation. <laughs> and so I, you know, I decided I wanted to go to Baylor because my best friend wanted to go to Baylor <laughs> to be a pre-law student. And I thought, well, if my friend's going here, I'm going to Baylor. And she eventually ended up actually deciding not to attend Baylor. Uh, but I had, in the meantime looked at the university, learned so much more about it, 
And I was just like, all right, see ya. I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. Baylor. Um, I'm convinced this is where I want to be. Did you have any idea at the time that you might want to go into research or look at research opportunities on campus? So because I knew I wanted to go into some field where I could participate in cancer research, I always thought that that had to be through like biology. I thought I had to be a biologist. And again, misguided, you know, misconceptions. I'm thinking, well, I probably should at least be a biology major or I could be a biochemistry major because somehow that just seems more versatile. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Biology and chemistry, of course, very different. And and the way I was thinking coming into college is perhaps not on the best, uh, (laughs) the, the best rationale looking back. But if I had not, so long story short, I wanted to be a biologist, but I thought, you know, I could be more versatile as a biochemist. And had I not made that misguided decision, I would have never had the opportunity to take organic chemistry, which is part of the biochemistry curriculum. Mm -hmm. And it was when I took organic chemistry that I realized, no, actually, I want to be an organic chemist. Mm -hmm. And so these really bad or poorly thought out decisions that I've made have really just been very um, monumental in finding where I need to be. It's probably like a lot of 18 to 22-year-olds, though, (laughs) and younger, making decisions that eventually work out. But uh, you look back, yeah. What was it about organic chemistry as a student that really captured you after all that? It's a lot like a puzzle. I mean, there are a lot of analogies also to to cooking, as I alluded to Mm -hmm. earlier. And I love to bake and I love to cook. Um, But it's also like this giant puzzle. You understand the reactivity of all these different um, molecules, so these different pieces, and there's a certain way in which everything comes together. And um, you, you know, you need to know the rules of everything. But then, being able to figure out how all of these pieces fit together to attain that right, um, um, you know, the, the right outcome for that chemical reaction. For me, it was just always very exciting. Mm-hmm. So you you realized you wanted to pursue that. How, how did you get involved with Dr. Kevin Penny, someone else we've had on the show? It's been a, a few years now, but we've had him on the show. How, how did you get involved with him? Yeah, so I asked a uh, my organic chemistry professor, you know, if he knew of anyone here that was working in the area of cancer research. Again, that was something that I had in mind that I wanted to participate in. And um, naturally, he recommended the Penny Group. And so I, you know, I set up a meeting um, with Kevin and um, I was fully convinced that he was going to say, sorry, we don't have space in the lab um, for you. And I was fully prepared to just offer to wash glassware, you know, do the dishes. Like I just needed to see what was going on in that lab. What is it like to be a researcher? And thankfully, he was um, instead gracious enough to, like, welcome me to the group um, with open arms. And for that, like, I always feel like I'll be indebted to how, you know, to him for giving me that opportunity. Visiting with uh, Lila Romero and uh, in Dr. Penny's lab, what, what kinds of things did you do? Mostly it was learning how to carry out bench chemistry and to uh, think about um, the way in which we design the molecules that we target um, in order to address that scientific question that we have. So, you know, as, a, as an undergraduate student, you're really just trying to figure out, okay, so what, what do I mix when? <laughs> At what temperature? All right, so how do I separate this and purify this? There's really a, you know, there is definitely a learning curve to it. Um, but once you've had the opportunity 
and the experience of it, it becomes like, you know, it's like riding a bike. Um, you know, everything has a very similar way of, you know, the reactions are set up in very similar ways and it becomes really just uh, second nature. So you were a student at Baylor. Now you're faculty at Baylor. What, what did your path look like in between that? Yeah, so after I finished my undergraduate studies, I pursued a PhD at UT Southwestern Medical Center. Again, these misguided <laughs> misconceptions, I thought, well, if I want to be an organic chemist and I want to positively impact medicine, what a, what better place than to go to a medical center <laughs> to get a PhD? Um, and of course, it, there was so much more than that, but it was a really great decision um, that um, ultimately really shaped the way I looked at my role as um, as a chemist who wants to positively impact drug uh, discovery and development, that it's not simply the medicinal chemistry aspect, you know, trying to make these molecules that do have that therapeutic effect that we're going for, but also we could positively in, in, impact um, that part of, of science, you know, therapeutic discoveries by developing new chemical reactions that help others make these molecules as well. And so that PhD at Southwestern really showed me that we could have meaningful impacts in, in multiple facets. And from there, you know, the average PhD is about five years. Mm -hmm. It's a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> um, after those five years at UT Southwestern, I went on to MIT where I did a postdoctoral study as a Beckman fellow uh, for three and a half years. And during that time, I got to work with um, a chemist who um, essentially collaborates for all of the major pharmaceutical companies. I mean, he is so well established in the pharmaceutical industry as, um, uh, as an individual who has streamlined, um, been able to develop chemistry that has streamlined the synthesis of valuable therapeutics. Um, so just learning from him, you know, what do these companies look for? What makes a process more ideal um, from a pharmaceutical standpoint? and kind of really honing in my craft on reaction development there. Um, it, you know, everything kind of came together to help me or help enable me to, to lead the science that we're doing now in the lab. So uh, eight years invested at uh, UT Southwestern and then at MIT, so you're looking where to go for your independent career. Was Baylor on your radar? Was Baylor someplace you were looking at initially? Baylor has always been on yeah. my radar. I mean, I'm a proud alum. You mm -hmm. know, I love Baylor. And from a distance, I was keeping an eye on all of the positive upward trajectories that I've been seeing going on at Baylor. The investment in not only in student learning, but the investment in the infrastructure here. The, um, the facilities are phenomenal at Baylor. Um, they rival some of the really uh, premier institutes that I've seen. Um, That's great. The uh, um, investment in um, recruiting new faculty and, um, and new research programs, um, the support that I saw for junior faculty, um, Baylor was definitely on my radar. The announcement for this R1 initiative that mm -hmm. um, we get to celebrate this year because we've now attained that R1 status. You know, when they announced that and they announced, Baylor announced this postdoc hiring program, I mean, it was pretty evident to me that they really meaningfully care about supporting research at the university. Um, and that's something that's um, very important, especially mm -hmm. for an early career um, chemist. 
Well, that's exciting to see kind of how that, uh, you know, definitely uh, attracted you and other other colleagues in, uh, you know, in your shoes coming into Baylor. What, what did it mean to you to get the CPRIT grant uh, as well to help really tie that all together? Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> More than I could ever ask for. I, I mean, I really think um, Texans who supported that, who support or continue to support and supported that initiative um, um, and and for those on um, the, you know, CPRIT uh, board that really supported the idea that that um, I put forth, and to have just support for the types of science that I'm just um, really invested in pursuing this early on in my career, um, it's not common to have that kind of uh, funding available and that kind of yes, we believe in you, please go do it, um, and so it it really helped us hit the ground running and establish the infrastructure in our research lab and um, continue, you know, really quickly to make progress on these goals that we have. Well, that's very exciting. I know there's a lot of people who go after these grants and uh, and you got that. So congratulations on that. And I know Thank you. Baylor and the uh, Department of Chemistry and Biochemistry Department were all very excited about that. Well, so we wind down here. I just have a, another minute or two to go here, but I want to ask you, I think you've already described this some, but as now that you're on the faculty side and uh, about, what now, 11 years after after graduation, what stands out to you about what stayed the same at Baylor and what's what's different in meaningful ways for you? Yeah, a lot of things have changed. Uh, campus has changed a lot. Um, the Waco in general, the community has also changed. There are so many different, you know, uh, food options even mm-hmm. just and 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 you know the shopping here has changed and but on campus, um, a lot of places still feel the same, which is is comforting. You know the BSB, the science building, still feels very much the way it did when I was an undergraduate student. Um, and, you know, in the lab spaces, even though I'm working in a different lab space, um, a lot of that still feels very familiar to me. And um, I would say just the general Baylor nice around campus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the hospitality and the welcoming, um, you know, graciousness of everyone around here. That's comforting and that's familiar. And that's something that I'm glad that has, you know, to see that it hasn't changed in the time that I was gone. Well, that's great. Well, uh, we're glad to have you back and appreciate you taking the time to, to share with us what you do today. Appreciate you coming on the program. Thank you so much. Dr. Lila Romero, Assistant Professor of Chemistry and Biochemistry, our guest today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.